Bevan presents Tech Talk Tuesdays with Hanita Chalabi. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Hanita, and I'm your program host for Tech Talk Tuesday. Thank you guys for joining us. This week on Tech Talk Tuesday, we are discussing diversity in tech. Talking about diversity in the workplace is uncomfortable for most people and frankly swept under the rug. This topic is one that is super important in general, but one I could personally relate to as well, being a woman in tech and being a Syrian, which is a minority in the workplace. We at Bay One are really committed to helping companies and our partners reach their diversity numbers. Some of the things we're doing are cohorts for women entering data science, diversity pool sharing, meetups, webinars, technical boot camps to level up underrepresented groups. We are constantly working on creating a diversity pool of candidates, and we really want to make an impact and influence hiring decisions in favor of unrepresented, underrepresented groups. There hasn't been a better time than now to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and make it a top priority. We could all do our part to help out the community as well as the workplace by making an active effort when it comes to strategizing and setting up OKRs for ourselves, our teams, and as an organization to abide by for DNI initiatives. Some stats to keep in mind during the discussion according to global diversity practice. Businesses with a good mix of ethnic backgrounds are 33% more likely to outperform their competitors. DNI equals ROI. Teams that are gender, age, and ethnically diverse make better decisions up to 87% of the time. Well, with these stats, why is it so difficult for companies to make diverse hires and make them the new norm for us? Bay One is making a commitment to help change the lopsided numbers in the game. Please meet our guests today, Henry Piles II and Gaurav Rastogi. A little background. Hey guys, how are you? Hello. Awesome. Glad to hear, glad to hear. I just wanted to give a little background about uh, you both to our audience. Um, so a little background about Henry. Henry is currently on the Bay One's Board of Advisors and Special Advisor to the President at the National Minority Supplier Development Council. His mission is to bring the best in innovation, society and his clients at scale. Henry is also a diversity champion and has created large scale programs to bring minority and women enterprises into the digital age. Henry is a globally recognized thought leader in globalization, digitalization and SME business development. He advises CEOs, global organizations and VCs and PE firms on digitalization and the workforce of the future. Henry is a thought leader and has turned DNI strategies into tangible growth and consequently return on investment. Welcome, Henry. We're really excited to have you today. I'm excited. Thank you. And then a little background on Gaurav. Uh, he has previously been with us on Tech Talk Tuesday. He is a famous author and reinvention coach. Garv has 20, over 20 years of experience in building startups, communities, and driving large-scale business transformations. 
He is passionate and per about personal and corporate reinvention. Welcome, guys. Super excited to have you both. Happy to be here. Um, I'll let you go ahead and uh, begin our session today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Anita. So, Henry, I, I was here a couple of weeks ago talking about career reinvention and how technology is upending industries and careers and how we all need to reinvent ourselves. But directly linked to all that change because of tech is the issue of diversity. So let's talk about that uh, at the start. What is the issue with related to with respect to diversity in tech? What's going on? I think what you really have is right now you have a lot of tech companies that grew up in a world where everything was fast and everything was moved at scale. Um, so it was just an environment where the goal was to break things and move quickly, I think you've heard. Well, what we're seeing now, and I think the tech company came to this realization in about 2014 when they listed their diversity reports is, if technology is supposed to build a better world, then why doesn't it look, why does that world not look like us? Because the purpose of technology is to help human beings reach their full potential. But the question is, is it helping all human beings? So, I mean, I hear a lot of talk, a lot of rhetoric now from tech companies about how diversity is important and you see little donations here and there. But if you really, but if you really look deep, the question you should ask these tech companies is what I do is, number one, what is your commitment? And you see commitment from one of three ways. Budget, how much are you spending to bring diversity into your company? Number two, resources. I mean, I see a lot of these tech companies and they've got about like three or four people for diversity and inclusion. It's like, that's not a team, right? That's like a small, like little band, right? And the third is accountability. We know these tech companies, they measure everything and they hold people accountable. But when it comes to DNI, you notice when people don't hit their numbers, nothing happens. So until we see some changes, because right now these tech companies look at diversity more like a PR crisis as instead of a business imperative, and that's the problem. So what are the numbers? I mean, very clearly, mm -hmm. uh, the tech workforce, uh, which is the most prized, I mean, most of the jobs being created right now are tech jobs. Most of the tech jobs are not, not representing all of America. Why is that? Why are companies not taking this whole issue seriously? I, I think they're. I think that they believe that they're building a better world, but the problem is they don't know their customers good enough because AI does not equal intelligence. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Someone said it again. AI does not equal intelligence. If the goal people use AI to get a better understanding of their customers, so they can um, provide on-demand services. But these are their algorithms, right? They, 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 they take in a lot of data and then they kick out something. In order to know your customer better, wouldn't it be better if you actually had somebody representative of the customer you're trying to get to know? Because who, who, who knows the customer better? People who've lived in that community, people who share their culture, people who have the same identity, or an AI that has basically data kicked up to it across those different levels. So I think that's, that's the problem. I don't think that they truly understand the world they're trying to build, how that's going to help all people rise. 
Now, in, this makes sense as soon as you say you say it. Now, I'm wondering, as as the head of MBDA, you met a lot of corporates. Mm -hmm. What was their response to this? Obviously, this makes <laughs> sense. Why are they not? Why are they not uh, changing their tech workforce to look like their customers? Honestly, I, I I honestly believe so. The number one reason I said I asked about diversity is they said that they could not find basically the talent. They said there's a skills gap between basically the positions they have and then the talent. So that was number one. There was a, a talent gap. The number two thing is there was this time lag. They believe that, you know, hey, Henry, you know, we have three, four five years. We're making incremental improvements. We'll be better. But both of those worlds have exactly shattered. Now that we, we, we've actually seen that there actually is services like Bay One that do talent on demand, that do the continuous upskilling. And number two, most importantly, there is no time. Because if you've seen what's occurred over the last week, um, for the first time I've seen in a long time, people are holding companies responsible for how they treat people, how they market to people, and how they incorporate people into the products and services that they're selling. And that's why you see, and I don't want to, I hate to like flag companies, but you see stuff going on at Facebook where they do like virtual walkouts. Like um, people are just tired of the status quo. People are not going back to the new normal because the new normal did not represent us. People are asking now technology, instead of technology being the master and us being the servant, now we're going to use technology as a tool the way it was designed to begin with. Sure. You know, I, I, I live in Silicon Valley, and what I see is is uh, is pretty interesting. Uh, there's a you know saying which is Silicon Valley is eating the world, and it was probably meant in, in jest, but it's really happening, right? Industry after industry, every industry is being transformed by tech, and tech is predominantly uh, you know white men, Asian men, uh, and and uh, you know minorities and women are excluded from tech. So all the boom in tech that we see all around us is represented, uh, is, is lopsided. You know, it, it doesn't look like the rest of America. But if you look at the impact of what, what's happening in the industry itself, is entire industries are being remade. You could call it creative destruction of being, you're being poetic. But when you're the business being destroyed, it's not very creative destruction. If you look at the sorts of businesses getting destroyed by tech, they are likely to be overrepresented by minorities and women. And so there's a twofold dynamic here where the, the boom is lopsided and the, the impact of the destruction is lopsided in the opposite direction. It's it's a twofer. One two punch as they say. And and the impact and you know what's happening you know outside your window and, and mine right now is probably a leading indicator of what's going to happen in time, which is the you know the wealth accumulates at one end, and the rest of the society is trying to ask for equality and justice. Yeah, and yeah, I actually wanted to add on, and I have a question. Uh, whenever you guys could get to it on this topic, uh, what are some actionable items organizations can do to help with the skill and talent gap you mentioned? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So the first thing is, you know, you have the talent gap exists because there are biases in recruitment. You know, you, you know, Bay One's in the tech uh, recruitment business, and you can see that uh, algorithms are actually screening your uh, your resumes. So before a human ever gets to a resume, a machine is looking at it, and those algorithms are biased. 
And so automatically you're seeing less minorities and women showing up, even if they're equally qualified because your algorithms are doing all the screening. Then the interviews and the culture fit questions are designed to, to essentially look for a specific type of person. And, and so there's an inherent bias all through the system. You're smiling, Henry. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, I'm just smiling because, I mean, like I said, I like work with CEOs and international organizations all the time. And, it, and it's just funny to me when they say we can't find diverse talent because I just want to say, well, yeah, well, maybe you should spend a little less time in Davos. I mean, you're not going <laughs> mean, to find it there. And I know it sounds ridiculous and I don't mean to poke fun of people. But the fact of the matter is that you can go to Chicago, you can go to Atlanta, you can go to Southern California. It's not hard to find. The question is, how much time are you investing to find this? And it's critical right now because the smart companies know this. We have literally shifted into a new world. Um, Post-millennials post are the most ethnically diverse and the largest generation in U.S. history. There are more post-millennials than there are baby boomers. And the smart companies get this. And these post-millennials, they have a different ethos. They have a different set of values than older generations. And they back those beliefs with their money. So if you do not know how to talk to this young, diverse generation, you will you will go the way of a JC Penney's or some of these other companies that you see going bankrupt now. You have this is your market and you and they want to buy from people who represent their values and right now they just don't. Statutory note, no clients were hurt in the making of this webinar. <laughs> Yeah, but part two of the problem, um, Henry, I want to send back to you, which is uh, answering Hanita's question is, how do you develop talent scale? How do you how do you have more minorities and women being added to the, the pool of working in tech? I, I think I think you worked on this problem earlier, right? Yeah, I think part of it is just you have to build an ecosystem. A lot of times we wait until a person reaches adulthood and then we try to introduce them to some gateway tech as I like to call it, like some RPA or like, hey, go on e-commerce. And then we expect after that little refresher course that we can jump straight into quantum computing or blockchain. And it's just ridiculous. Like we have to look at like, how do we teach or how do we teach tech now? And it starts with the youth, like in schools, like a lot of these schools don't even have online capabilities that you saw mm -hmm. with this COVID-19 shutdown. Literally teachers didn't know how to teach online and students just flat out weren't you know showing up and then we unfortunately you had some people that did not even have internet access so how do you do online learning when you don't have broadband so we need to rethink our educational system because all this stuff is learned i mean what you learn as a child and reach middle age um that's that's the stuff that sticks with you we can't just say okay he's an adult now he needs a job let's just run yeah. through a crash course <laughs> on, yeah. on coding like that's that's not gonna work that's true. You know, I, I'm a first generation immigrant and we don't think that we're privileged. We just arrived with no money in this, as students. And um, and so we think that our kids have no privilege either because, you know, uh, that's how, you know, that's who we are as parents. But then uh, when the shutdown happened, what was stark was even in our school, school district, the school district did not immediately start online classes. Why? Because they had to distribute computers. They had to distribute broadband. Yeah. And these are not things that, that I, I thought this, I live in Silicon Valley, so I thought everyone 
has it, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And this is invisible. And, and, and if you don't have access to computers, you don't have access to technology and broadband, then you're not going to be very good at, at uh, learning to code or just being more comfortable with computers. I agree, there's a lot of privilege right there. But the other thing is um, continuous learning, mm. right? Which is, you, you're right, tech isn't about a gateway tech that you learn once and then for the rest of your life, you never have to learn it again. Uh, you have to continue learning. And where are the places where people can go to learn more and keep up with all the all the changes in technology that are going on? Uh, you know, the popular answer I always get it is, well, there's always YouTube. You could YouTube anything, right? But the, that's probably also a lopsided answer, in my opinion, that some pe- people who know how to learn, know how to learn anything. But those are elites, you know, I've been speaking with a few friends in, in tech, and they say, I never have to be taught how to learn because I can learn anything. But they're elites. They know how to learn. They figured out on their own. But most people are not going to be that way. They're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to collate resources for people and find places where people can help each other learn new technology and try it out. Yeah, and that's where corporations can lend a hand because it's not, yes, you can learn anything. You can go on YouTube and search Azure and you, you, you'll be okay. The mm-hmm. question is, how do you know what to learn? We're brought up in a system where all of our curriculum, our need to know is spoon fed us right when you're in high school you have a core classes that you're told you need to take and then you're allowed to choose a couple of electives college the same way here's your major take these you'll be smart and then do what you want but when it comes to actually starting a career being an entrepreneur then you're like supposed to like just figure this stuff out how do i know i should be knowing blockchain right as opposed to like you know, virtual reality, you don't know this kind of stuff. So corporations should be doing like, you know, uh, building this curriculum in-house, right? Because it's to their benefit to have people understand, what do I need to do to be successful at Microsoft? They should have their core kids that can work with community colleges, Votex, universities, whatever it is, or do their own school. I mean, they're doing their own money nowadays. Do your own school, right? That's the, to me, that's the answer. Like take, it is in their best hands to continually upskill their employees. And part of that is through continuous learning. All right, let me then ask you this question. Uh, all this again makes sense. How are you going to convince a tech CEO or any company CEO right now? You say DNI is ROI. Mm-hmm. How are you going to prove that? I, well, I think the numbers that Hanita said at the, many, uh, at the beginning, I mean, it, it is undisputed now that the companies that are increasing diversity and understand their customers better are showing profits. That's number one. But number two, I would, you know, flip that argument said, what will happen if you don't start doing that? Because we've moved, I'm telling you, we we are in a different world now. We've moved from the whole, hey, corporate, you know, your CSR, your corporate social responsibility, do this, you know, be kind, you know, have a big heart. Those things are over, right? These are economic justice issues. And I'm telling you, you've seen it all around. These companies make mistakes 
and then there's a mass boycott. You see a new hashtag fly up that says, don't, you know, support this company, boycott this company. And it and, and you and they see their stock markets crash immediately. So young people and with this online thing, you can hurt companies super fast. Hashtag canceled. <laughs> hashtag canceled. <laughs> For sure. That's, that's definitely instant karma and instant ROI. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right. So what is it that companies can do? You know, you talked about this factoid, which I found interesting, that since 2014, companies have been reporting their diversity numbers. And, uh, and I found it interesting. Reporting and committing to reporting numbers is apparently not moving the needle either. Right? Why not? I mean, you th you think that the public shame would get them, but but that's not enough. What concrete steps uh, do you have in mind? You talked about a pledge. Yes. Um, so what happened? What happens now? Yes, the reporting was good. It was an initial step in 2014. Some of the big tech companies said, "Hey, you know, we realize we have a problem, and that's good. Awareness is step one." Step two was we're going to start reporting on our diversity because, as you know, when you start reporting, you would assume things would get better. That's how it normally happens, right? But they didn't. We saw in 2019 when the refresh numbers came out, there was like a half a percentage or percentage points from where they were in 2014 to 2019. Um, so now we need to move be beyond reporting to actionable steps. So we're calling on a pledge to big tech companies to really invest in diversity the way that they invest in like uh, the digital transformation. I know you're really aware about the digital transformation and the, and the number one rule of digital transformation was don't isolate your transformation in one unit. You remember the people were like, oh, I've gone digital. I have a IT office. Like it's like, no, digital runs pervasive through your whole company. Well, that's how they do DNI now. They have a little small office that, you know, reports normally up to the HR director. They probably don't even know what the CEO looks like you know, because they don't ever report up to that person. And then you wonder why there's no measurable progress. So we say now diversity should be treated just like everything else and it should be pervasive across your whole office. So we say we're inviting the tech industry to join us in taking a new pledge. Um, and it's, they're really gonna be four main pillars. Uh, we want them to commit to improving the quality of functional tech education available to women and minorities. We will directly address the biases in recruitment and promotions that are holding back others from joining and prospering because it's, and I think that's key because it's diversity and inclusion. Another thing we found is, you know, they, they, they bring in, you know, minorities, but they can't keep them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? they and that's where the inclusion, because their culture never changes. They think, oh, the problem is we just, you know, need more of them, but then the culture doesn't change. So why would you want to stay, especially if there's no path? To promotion the question is how many c-suite um hires have you made in diversity so so that's a key the second one and the third one is in the upskilling and reskilling and that and that is critical i just cannot stress more companies or have to just uh, spend money on upskilling their employees i remember when i used to you know do a little work with accenture they would spend almost a, a billion dollars in just upskilling 
their employees because they knew that that's the talent you can't grow unless you have talent and talent can move like one of the positive things about you know when the economy is good is people will move to where their jobs are so just constantly upskilling is key and the fourth one is we want to create a joint fund I, I I'm very happy I've seen a lot of action companies who want to do you know good I've seen you know I don't want to name any companies but you see hundred million dollar you know checks being written seems like every day while well-intentioned, that's not going to do as much as a, 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 I would call it a mother of funds. Can you imagine if we had $1,000,000 million funds divested into one mother of funds? That's mm. when you can really start doing good because we can align our strategy and then we'll have some of uh, this size and the scope to really do good in our communities. Yeah. You know, the, you raised a really interesting uh, point, which is I've seen this with digital transformation where there's some digital pixie dust used yep. on stuff and boom, you know, everything is great. But that's not how anything works, right? No. Which is you can't just have a office of digital and and expect that the company will transform. It It's pervasive. It goes, goes all the way through. And you're saying diversity is the same, except you can't do it just inside. You got to no. do it across the community so you can't i mean digital you could do inside and say you're going through a transformation here for diversity you have to band together and work together to make diversity happen from the inside out and from the outside in yeah i guarantee if you ask one of these ceos what have you done to upgrade your technology the number one thing they'll say is we've hired a chief diversity officer and the number two thing is they'll tell you how much money they they've some type of fund to some you know racial equity and again like that is not that is not diversity that doesn't mean you're living diversity living diversity means it literally is a business practice now and mm -hmm. you're always thinking in any action you take you're thinking is this a does this make us more diverse or not that's the question they need to be asking yeah it's like you know there was a, a lot of security theater early on where you, there's a lot of song and dance about security, but it doesn't really improve security. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of maybe digital theater where there's a lot of, you know, song and dance about digital, but it doesn't happen. And what I'm hearing you say, is the same is happening in diversity where there's a lot of tokenism, but it's not making any difference to the, to the act, you know, the ROI to the company isn't coming through because they're not doing it seriously enough. That's right. Um, just to add to those points, we have some questions from the audience that I definitely want to get in. Um, one of them is from Anuj, and he is saying, how important is the education enrichment piece to bringing up the workforce as far as D&I goes? This is one of the areas that Baywon focuses on as well with bootcamps ETC. However, can you please go into that a little? So um, educational enrichment is actually critical to its, uh, the question of how far does it need to go? Uh, it's not just boot camps. You're going to, like Henry was saying at the front end, telling people what they need to learn is, is, an, is an important thing. You know, if I'm doing one kind of technology, I need to know what to learn next. And it's not about boot camps, boot camps are available. How does it help my career? Mm -hmm. Someone needs to be able to, you know, I need to be able to go to a place where I can, I have access to mentors. I have access to real data on how my career will improve by learning this new technology, because I'm investing my time in learning. Yeah. This is outside work. So it better pay off. 
some company is going to get smart and, and and invent some type of app or curriculum. So I'm making a pitch to some smart company. Just think about what's happening, like the nutrition industry. I mean, say, say Henry Childs wants to, you know, decide I want to get fit and work out. I can go to, to thousands of apps that will literally say you need to eat this right at these times hey here's a workout we're going to push to you right they take all the guesswork out of this but when it comes to tech all of a sudden you're just supposed to have be some genius who or who just knows it all somebody needs to help um people basically develop some type of curriculum to walk them through this just like we do in other things that we say they are important totally agree with you guys um, I think one of the things that I had noticed when I kind of got into the tech workforce was I didn't even really know that it existed. It was kind of a different world. Someone just coming out of like pretty much high school, college and, and living in Silicon Valley, I wasn't really exposed to it that much. So it was kind of a different world for me too, getting into it. And that curriculum would help getting people up and running because I think most of the problem is people don't know how to connect themselves mm-hmm. to get in there instead of getting, for instance, and there's obviously no harm in that but if instead of getting a job at a yogurt place when you're 16 17 years old go work as an ea go find somewhere to get yourself get your foot in the door so that you could prosper and grow in that field and that will help you make the connection so i totally agree with both of you um another question from anurag is why is diverse the diversity topic or issue often overlooked in organizations and how can we overcome it because most organizations look at it as a cost instead of a value add. And so they're saying, they're, they're thinking is we're spending X amount of dollars, whether it be through, you know, trying to recruit, trying to keep diverse talent, or we're spending X amount of dollars trying to do our minority spend. But what is the value add to the corporation? But like I said, the new model has shifted now because the question is what happens when you don't? do these things and that's when you see the power of the consumer and I'm, I'm very excited to see people actually start spending the, being intentional about who they you know do business with and i've seen a lot i've had a lot of companies starting to call me as of recent like henry what do we do and it's like hey you can't talk diversity you have to live diversity absolutely um and just i think believe we have one more question from neha um, how do we educate companies and institutions that we associate with that are less committed to diversity than uh, rhetoric? I, I can go, go, go first on this one. Anita, I think numbers speak louder than words. And um, very clearly, your rhetoric might say we're pro-diversity, but you look at your recruitment uh, process, your outcome, look at your, you know, your promotion outcomes, look at the outcomes that your organization delivers. And if your outcomes being delivered are not diverse, then well, all your rhetoric is just all talk. All hat, no cattle, they say from your home state. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, If anyone else has any other questions, please feel free to add them right now. If not, uh, I believe we are coming to time. Uh, Anything else, Henry uh, Garb, you'd like to add on? I just want to say, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Henry. I just want to say, you know, now is a, a we're at a crossroads, and we need to re- really, really think about what type of future we want to build. And technology, again, is just a tool to create things for human beings to live better lives. 
And I've seen a lot of productivity coming from tech, but I don't see a lot of human value coming from some of this tech. So I just say that we need to, we're at a time now where we can really start leveraging tech to really make people's lives better. And diversity is a key to that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Hanitha, I just want to congratulate Bayron for taking this topic and being very serious with it. I've seen what you guys did in 2019 with a make tech purple, bringing women into the workforce and into data science. And now with Henry coming on board, this is this is not just talk. And I congratulate Bevan for, for doing this. Well done. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are, I mean, our organization is super excited about all the work we're gonna be doing, all the work we have done, and we're gonna continue to push all these companies and clients we work with for diverse hires with the different initiatives we have going on and really educate them as much as we can. And aside from their internal pressure, we want to also create that pressure because we have a hand in who they hire. So we're going to do our part. We're committed to it. Good luck. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I think that comes to the end of our session. Until next time, uh, please follow us on social media so you guys get updates. And we will see you again. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Gaurav. Thank you for listening. To view our webinars and snippets, visit our YouTube channel, Bay One, The Future Works Here. You can also visit our website, www.bayone.com, or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you once again.